some people will get this virus, essentially be able to spread it and never show symptoms. So, you know, two months later, they've still got the virus. You know, it's, it's, it's probably at that point in a, a fairly uh, contained state. But, you know, it's not like everybody who gets the virus shows up and then we can go, oh, okay, well, here's, here's the, you know, clearly we got uh, infected on Monday and you showed up by Friday. Now, some people don't have symptoms. Welcome to the Pave Your Paradise podcast. I'm Mandy Ross, international media personality, speaker, writer, life cheerleader, and coach. Each episode, I'll share a guest or an idea to help you blast through your limiting beliefs, nourish your soul, and connect with yourself to take your relationships, health, business, and life to a next level. We don't play small, we're meant for great things. We take our struggles and turn them into slam dunk successes. This is the place for you to create your best you so you can pave your personal path to paradise. Are you with me? Let's do this. Hello and welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in to Pave Your Paradise podcast. I feel happy and grateful to have you joining me. If you're new here, I'm Mandy Ross, host of this amazing space for you to up-level your relationships, your health, your business, and your life. I'd love to know how you're feeling today, especially with everything that's going on right now. What's on your heart and mind? Send me what you're up to on your end and how you are making the most of your time today. Also, what topics you want me to cover on the podcast and on YouTube and which episodes you absolutely love. I create these episodes to try and help you guys, so I'd love your feedback. Please let me know by sharing on your posts and stories and tagging me at Mandy J. Ross and Pave Your Paradise. I feel so excited to have a Patreon page. I feel thrilled to serve you even more through it. I feel thankful for your support for the podcast and YouTubes as this content would not be possible without it. To help me in my mission to uplift others, please visit my new page at patreon.com slash Ross, where you can join my official community and make a donation that will help keep this podcast and my YouTubes going strong. Now, to be honest with you, this week's episode was not planned for. I originally had done another interview and was going to release it, but because of everything going on in our world right now, I felt a deep calling to create an episode to help you navigate this interesting time we're in. Coronavirus is no laughing matter, and while I feel truly optimistic that this too shall pass, I think it's important to be as prepared as possible to protect and support yourself and others while we go through this as a society. With so much misinformation, assumptions, random sources, various opinions, so-called experts, so many band camps of people ranging from this isn't a big deal to bleep hitting the fan in panic, it can feel overwhelming to know what is fact versus fear, healthy versus harmful, and fiction versus reality. So... I decided to bring on a guest who is a credible source of information to provide you guys with what COVID actually is, the effects it's going to have on us physically and mentally, and also what we can do about it. 
I really believe knowledge can be power and in this case can truly save lives. From day one of my journalism career, I've prioritized hosting and producing content that uplifts, inspires, informs, educates, and entertains. And I take the responsibility of being a journalist and media personality seriously, bringing you only what I believe are the best sources to help you thrive. Hence, why I chose to go in the direction I have doing an entire episode on the coronavirus with a friend and someone who I personally and professionally trust. Dr. Russell Kennedy, aka the Anxiety MD, is a medical doctor and neuroscientist. He studies how our mind tricks us, specifically how the human mind convinces us it is making things better when in reality it makes things much worse. Dr. Russ will show you how to see your mind so you don't have to be your mind. We go over so much in this episode on coronavirus, plus Dr. Russ has created a meditation for you that's free to boost your immune system that I'll include in the links below for you to listen to. I hope this episode brings you clarity, peace of mind, useful and practical tips, and that it leaves you feeling lighter and brighter. We all rise by lifting one another up, especially during downtimes in life. Let's do all that we can to continue being kind, compassionate, and caring to each other to make our world a healthy, happy, and harmonious place for all of us to live in. Enjoy this episode, and I'm sending y'all so much love. All right, everyone. I have Dr. Russ on the podcast again. Dr. Russ, thank you so much for joining me on Pave Your Paradise podcast and everyone listening out there as well. Oh, it's always fun to talk with you, Mandy. We seem to go on and on for hours. Right? I know. Every time we connect, it's always, I I like to think it's always insightful and delightful. There's so much to discuss. Right now, what's going on with coronavirus is affecting all of us, and so what better person to have on this podcast than you? So why don't you tell everyone what you do, Russ? Well, I was trained as a medical doctor. I've also got a degree in neuroscience and advanced uh, training in developmental psychology. I specialize in anxiety specifically, um, but I was a certified yoga and meditation teacher for a number of years and a professional stand-up comic for over 15 years as well. So, you know, I've got a fairly diverse background. I guess I'm not an epidemiologist, so... You know, I'm not the perfect person to talk about COVID-19, but, you know, I've got a background in science for sure and medicine. So, yeah, there seems to be a lot of uh, quote unquote experts on this these days. The vast community that I have of contacts, you're definitely someone I'd I'd place on the higher end of, of knowing really what's up and what's going on. And you had mentioned, too, that you're on a board. Is it a board of uh, directors of of doctors? Well, it's, as well? it's basically a Facebook group uh, for physicians across North America to keep in, in touch about this virus. So you have to be a physician to be on it. You have to uh, show where your license is from. You have to prove you're a doctor to be on this. And we try and trade information that's coming in from different parts of the country or different parts of the continent. And, you know, trade it as, as quickly and as appropriately as we can. Yeah. And I, I mean, you have some pretty, pretty significant individuals on that. One of the guys is an epidemiologist from Harvard. He's one of the top guys in the thing. So, you know, I, I, I trust him. You know, I, I trust an epidemiologist from Harvard 
more than I would trust the guy down the street who believes that the virus was manufactured in a, a lab in China to kill us all in biological warfare. He, you know, that's, I would, given those two guys, I would take the Harvard epidemiologist first. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into the misconceptions going on out there because I think there's so many right now. And, and that's the thing. There's so much misinformation. There's so many assumptions that are floating around, no pun intended. There's all this ran like random sources of information, various opinions, so many band camps of people ranging from, you know, the people that, that claim that this is all manufactured, this isn't a big deal, it's nothing to even lose, you know, a wink or a sleepover. And then you have the total other end of the spectrum where like bleep is hitting the fan right now and they're in panic. So let's just start with the basic, Dr. Russ. What is the coronavirus? Well, it's a virus that's killed by toilet paper, apparently, because <laughs> that's where everybody's going. Maybe you got to lighten the mood here a little bit, man. It's good to... Coronavirus too, right? is a type of virus that's been around for millions of years. It was first found in 1960, specifically, and it contributes basically to the common, uh, the common cold, really. Um, there are links to it with influenza and those kind of things, but it's been around for a long time and really... It showed up in, uh, in a variant as SARS back in 2003, and then in MERS, which is Middle East Respiratory Virus, in 2012. And now it seems to be showing up as you know, COVID-19, which originally they wanted to call uh, SARS-2, kind of like a sequel, you know, because it, it's mm -hmm. very similar to SARS in a lot of ways. It seems to be more infectious. And at this point, we're not sure how virulent it is, like how powerful it is as far as how many people it's going to kill. I think that, you know, the number of cases in the community is probably underreported. So they're basing mm. a fatality rate based on the, the cases they know. They haven't really tested a lot. So it's hard to, you know, it, it, it's like saying, well, I, I've got 10 raccoons in my backyard and one of them is purple. So 10% of raccoons must be purple. And then we find down the street, there's 300 other non-purple raccoons. Now, it's probably a, one of the worst analogies I've ever heard and I've ever made. But it is one of those things where if, if you're not testing all the people, how do you know what the rate is? So, you know. Yeah, being, that's, yeah. that's definitely something that's crossed my mind as well, is that of the people they've tested, that's what they're basing their facts and figures right. on. And I mean, and, and even if we know that's true, right? Like it's, it's probably a, only a small significant amount of the actual people who are infected. And that's a thing. I think that's part of why I think this is so amazing to have you on the podcast is because I think so much of the fear and the panic is coming from the unknown. Of and, you know, that's why I, I just, I would love to get a lot of clarity with you on this, uh, this interview today or in this interview today, because I think that's it. I think the more, the more knowledge we have, the more powerful it is, but it's the right the right knowledge, the right information. And you and I said this too when we chatted. All of, you know, a lot of what you're going to say today is just your opinion based on talking to other physicians and obviously doing research on your end as, as a medical professional. It's a lot, I would consider this a lot more valid uh, considering your background and what you're about than a lot of what I consider misinformation out there. So how does one actually get infected by it? Well, it seems to be an airborne virus. So, you know, like influenza A, 
is is got some airborne spread as well, but not nearly as much as this COVID nineteen sensor. And it's got this kind of bad combination of initial infection that goes with very high levels of virus. You know, if you swab people very early in the stages of this this epidemic or this this infection, you'll see you know huge numbers in their nasal pharynx. So, you know, it's, it's different than influenza that way. And in that way, you're, you're spreading the virus before you re, you're even symptomatic. So, you know, the thing about Ebola and why Ebola doesn't spread so much is if you get Ebola, you're flat on your back, you know, in some hospital bed. Here, if you yeah. get this, you can travel around and, you know, go to Coachella or, you know, go to the mall, hang around for a while, you know, go to a, a, a restaurant at night. You know, you could spread this all over the place and because you have such a high level early on of you know the viral load in your system it's easy to spread it mm -hmm. around so the best thing we can and you might not even feel it yet no, right exactly. like you might have it but you might literally feel like you're completely healthy nothing's nothing's wrong yep. and you could be walking around completely able to infect somebody yeah, else 10 percent of the people get the virus and don't have any symptoms at all you know, it comes and goes and they don't even know they had it. Crazy. That, that to me, that part of it is just like mind blowing. Now for people that are wondering out there who are listening, does it live on surfaces? Does it live on food? You know, if you get into say an elevator with someone and they have it, is that how you get it? Like, well, you could it, please explain, can it survive on surfaces? If so, how long? Well, that we don't know so much. I mean, it's better to err on the side of caution. This is where frequent hand washing comes in you know, or, or carrying mm -hmm. around these, these wipes, which, you know, again, we don't know how effective the wipes are, but they're certainly better than nothing. And so I read, I think I read somewhere if the, for as far as hand sanitizer is concerned, as long as it's 60% alcohol based or more, that tends to be, yeah. yeah, pretty good to be, to be able to ward off the germs. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it also takes the hand sanitizer a little bit to kill the virus too. So you could have, you know, you could have your hands coated with hand sanitizer, get some of this on your, on your fingers and then touch your face before it's, it's managed to kind of dispatch the virus. So it's not like, you know, if you walk around with a bunch of, you know, hand sanitizer on, you're, you're going to, you know, bulletproof, you know, you're, you're not going to totally. be able to get it. So it is just one of those things where, you know, we really have to be careful about how we, how we touch our faces, how we touch our mucous membranes, and that's really what it comes down to is we're, we're getting infected through the mucous membranes. Now, it's spread from an aerosol, too. So, you know, if it's spread through breathing, you know, you're not going to stop breathing. You can't stop breathing for two months so you won't get this virus. So it's I know I, I tend to, you know, be a little flippant and, and my humor comes out. That's usually my response to when I, when I get afraid, I start <laughs> yeah. making jokes. But, you know, it's basically what happens is that, we, you know, we can spread this through the air. And then people ask me, well, what about the masks? You know, the surgical masks that I see. I was just, yeah. I literally, yeah. you read my mind. I said, so what, please clarify for everyone listening, what this deal is with people like hoarding face masks and like everyone, like I, I just went for a walk and I saw a handful of people with these masks on and not just, and like, I know there's different grades, quote unquote, of, of face yes. masks. So can you please just clear this whole thing up, whether or not they're even efficient or effective at, at, I don't know. I'm not sure what people's intentions are. Please clear this up for everyone. Well, the N95 mask, the one that makes that solid, you know, bridge right around your nose. And they use a lot in industry, you know, to not absorb 
you know, particles in the air, if you're, if you're using like metal saws or band saws or whatever, or stuff that's going to particulate up into the air, that's what they use them for. And they're fairly effective actually at blocking the virus. Now, how good they're, how long they're good for, you know, they may be only good for four to six hours, in which case we don't have enough anyway. U.S. hasn't stockpiled. I don't know the situation in Canada, how many N95 masks we have, but the N95 mask is, is fairly good at blocking, you know, the airborne spread of the virus, but we don't have enough of them, for one, and the ones that we do have should go to our healthcare workers. The surgical masks really don't do anything as far as transmission goes, per se. The only thing I was thinking about the other day is because the surgical mask covers your nose and your mouth, it makes it really hard at that point for you to stick your fingers in your nose and your mouth. So that may be the bonus or the effectiveness of just wearing your plain old surgical mask. So it may not be useless, but, you know, and the other thing about wearing a mask is maybe some people, it makes them feel better, you know, it makes them feel a little safer. And there's certainly, you know, we haven't talked about that, but the stress component in this virus and, and how that affects our immune totally. system as well. So, you know. Oh, yeah, we'll be getting into that yeah. for sure, because that's a huge, so huge element in all of this. N95 masks are, are good. Uh, we're not going to have enough of them. Uh, for one. So that's not really an option because we don't have enough in Canada. And you said they only, they actually only have a, like a lifespan of a few well, hours. You know, and this is the other thing people aren't, aren't, you know, we don't know is, is how long does an N95 mask actually work? You know, if you, if you have a good seal on it, it should, it should work for as long as the mask isn't, you know, torn apart. But no one really knows that. I think there's, like, I know this is airing on, like, the really panicked type people. But I do know some people who've even gone and bought, like, hazmat suits. Like, I mean, is that, do you really think that's necessary at this point? Well, unless you want to wear the hazmat suit for the next year. No. Because it's like, this isn't going to go away quickly, right? Like, chances are, the way this is spread is that most of us are going to wind up getting it at some point or another best we can hope for is that we contain it to the point where the healthcare system doesn't get completely overwhelmed by it. Mm. So that's what we're trying to do now. That's where all these separation messages are, um, you know, uh, messages we're getting to, to, you know, stay distant from each other and, and don't, uh, don't get into these populated areas and that kind of thing because they can spread it a lot faster. So if we can contain the relative upswing of the disease, we may be able to sort of have a controlled explosion on this and still be able to maintain some of our, our healthcare facilities. But if everybody, you know, if everybody was mixing and mingling right now, our, our healthcare system would be completely overwhelmed in a matter of weeks. So it is one yeah. of those things, you know, the thing about the virus is that we have to starve it for its human host. If it doesn't have a human host, it can't, it can't live very well. So the, yeah. the farther apart we get from each other and, the more we take precautions, the better we can slow the the rapid upswing, the R0, the number of doubling times that this virus is going to go through. Now, I, I read somewhere that people don't need to be concerned that their pets are going to carry this. Is that... There, there was some evidence suggested like a dog uh, carried, uh, was able to carry it. Dog, I don't think, got sick. Again, this is this is we're, we're we're sort of stretching the edge of my uh, what I know about this stuff. Uh, potentially, an animal could carry it. Uh, my sense is that it, it wouldn't be able to um, shed that much in an, in, a, in a, like a dog or 
uh, an animal that it's not really bred for. Like th this so COVID-19 was popular in bats and uh, pangolins. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it, the irony is that it, so it apparently, and you can please clarify this for everyone listening, but it started in animals. Yes. And that's, if you look at the DNA typing and, and what we can see, it started in animals. There's, there's uh, evidence that it came from bats and pangolins, which are kind of like these armadillo little creatures in China. Because China's got such a mm -hmm. huge population, they need to eat a lot of different things. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of um, finger pointing against the way animals are treated in China and the fact that they're in these wet markets. And it's just basically a, a Petri dish for these viruses. I mean, that's where uh, SARS started. MERS didn't start there. But, yeah. you know, when you have animals and 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 people together in these wet markets where there's no real hygiene and the animals are stressed and sick and the humans are stressed. I mean, it's just a natural, it's a natural jump. Yeah. Literally like breeding Absolutely. ground. Absolutely. So I don't yeah. know, I don't know if China could even do it because a lot of it in China is poverty too. So they don't have the money yeah. to institute these, you know, precautionary measures that would make these wet markets, yeah. you know, safer. They just don't have it. So it's like going down and asking the homeless people, can you, you know, make a, a nice shed for yourself here? We'll, we'll give you some, we'll give you some money. You can build a, a nice little uh, cabin right here. And, you know, they don't have the resources. They can't do it. So, you know, we're going to yeah. face, we're going to face these things again. You know, SARS was 2002. Totally. MERS is 2012 or 2000. SARS was 2003, four. MERS was 2012. Here we are 2020. You know, every eight years, it seems like some kind of, you know, corona type virus is getting to us. That's definitely been something that, I mean, I've read on a lot of these kind of chat lines or posts in terms of, you know, what the real like macro problem is. And a lot of it that I'm reading, a lot of input on just the healthcare system and poverty levels in the world and that kind of thing. So, I mean, this is such a complex issue and that's why I wanted to have you on today to just clarify at least on a micro level, what we can do to best deal yeah. with this just as people. So, I mean, I guess I'm really curious and I feel like a lot of people out there would be as well as to, if you can actually walk us through the, the signs, like you said that sometimes so, like there are times when people will even have it and not show anything and then they just get better without even experiencing anything physically. But, you know, what are the signs for us? And is it common for someone to not show them until after they've been affected? And what is that timeline like? And how do you know if you have it or if it's, or if maybe you're just dealing with a cold or a flu and it's not actually coronavirus? Yeah. And this is the thing that's coming out now is that there's no real consistent picture. I mean, there is fever. I mean, that, that seems to be fairly common, you know, 40 to 60% seem to have fever. Cough seems to be something that's there. A runny nose doesn't really actually seem to be one of the symptoms. So if you have a runny nose, um, at least in the early stages. In the later stages, you can really get a lot of you know, nasal secretions. But in the early stages, runny nose is typically more of a cough or a cold virus kind of thing. So it's usually upper respiratory tract stuff. Um, sore throat is a big deal. Um, you can even get a soreness back behind your, at the back of your sinuses. And it's usually sort of an upper respiratory tract thing initially. And then it kind of, you know, 
it moves down over the course of time. So, you know, you can get muscle, muscle pain, um, systemic kind of just feeling fatigued, headaches, fever, and then cough. Um, and then if it gets worse, you know, shortness of breath, pneumonia, that kind of thing. It, it's, it, it does sort of take a really variable core immune system. And often it's sort of the, the luck of the draw too. If you are one of those people that it tends to affect your respiratory system, you know, you tend not to do as well. Like if you're a smoker or, you know, if you're, if you have a lot of other health concerns or, you know, one of the things about the States is they, they have a lot of people who are morbidly obese there, you know, obese is a yeah. risk factor for dying from this. So that may give the States a little bit higher of a, a death rate than, you know, normal, just because people are already compromised with their weight. So there's a lot of different factors at this point. At this point, we really don't know specifically and you know, there's, there's. I think I my my instinct is that it's underreported. Um, it'll the the death rate will probably wind up being around one to two percent. Uh, and of course, that's stratified out. You know, older people will die more. One of the good things about this disease, if there is such a thing, is that it doesn't seem to really be affecting our young people too much. You know, uh, the young people aren't dying. When you from, say young, what what do you mean? Well, what you know, age? Are, are sort of uh, you know under twenty five, under thirty that kind of thing. Um, and then there's a varied sort of thing between 30 and sort of 55 and then the 55 to, to 65 and then 65 and above seems to be the highest risk group, you know, but there are people. Yes. That gets it. And so yeah. if you start, if you start feeling like you think that you're having signs, maybe it's uh, COVID-19, maybe it's just you coming down with something yeah. What is the best thing you can do to combat getting rid of it out of your system in the fastest way? Well, I mean, I mean, stay home for sure. If you're sick, for sure. There is some, some people, my own personal thing is taking vitamin C in fairly high doses. Like don't give yourself diarrhea, but you know, take three to 4,000 grams of uh, vitamin milligrams of vitamin C every day, uh, divided doses, vitamin D, take that you know, social distancing, keep yourself away from other people, no handshakes, um, that kind of thing. But, you know, keep up your fluids, of course. Um, there really isn't a whole lot of specific, you know, there, there was, um, there was a, a medication called Tamiflu, Ostalimavir, and uh, that had some promise in SARS of, of blocking viral transmission through DNA replication. But, you know, there really isn't a whole lot that you can do. Um, I mean, if you start getting shortness of breath, it's then you're going to have to look at, um, you know, checking yourself into some sort of healthcare facility. I know here in British Columbia, they are starting to make dedicated testing clinics where you can be re by referral only, as far as I know, go in and get a, a test. My brother works in Emerge over at the Jubilee Hospital here in Victoria. And he says that they can mm -hmm. they can test you within three hours. They can get it back within three hours by doing a, a swab. So it's it's finding out, you know, and and mostly it's just sort of 
you know, quarantining yourself in most, you know, relatively young people, it's going to be a self-limited kind of illness, although it may go on for weeks. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'm really curious as to, you know, this 14 days of quarantine, where are they getting this number from? Is that really, is that really valid? Is it only 14 days? Is it less like hardcore people they have because they, they do have cases of people that were exposed and they know the exposure and it was four days and they can say, you know, I didn't, I wasn't exposed to anybody else. This is what I had. And about four to five days, the virus tends to show up, you know, like a sore throat or, you know, just a general muscle ache kind of thing too. So it does seem like it shows up as early as four days and maybe as late as kind of 10 to 14 days too. And again, you know, the virus is going to act differently in different people, depending on how immune, you know, uh, immune solid that they are. So it really is. But I guess that's, that's why I'm confused because if you're, so if what you're saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, if you're saying that it could take up to, and maybe even more, it could take up to even 14 plus days to even show itself the initial, like the time, the, the, the actual time that you were infected, the day you were infected. Yeah. Yeah. So if it takes, if it takes four, it could take 14 plus days to actually show itself with symptoms. How are we getting 14 days of quarantine? Like, shouldn't this really be like at least a month potentially? We don't know. That's the thing too. And and look, here's the other thing, Manny, some people will get this virus essentially be able to spread it and never show symptoms. So, you know, two months later, they've still got the virus. You know, it's, it's, it's probably at that point in a, a fairly, uh, contained state. But you know, it's not like everybody who gets the virus shows up and then we can go, oh, okay, well, here's, here's the, you know, clearly we got inve- uh, infected on Monday and you showed up by Friday. Now, some people don't have symptoms. So, yeah. so you know, this whole 14 day quarantine, you know, quarantine somebody for 14 days, they don't have any symptoms after that. You know, it doesn't mean they don't have the virus. Now, you know, that's the other thing about testing. Do we, after these 14 days, you know, do you get a test that says, you know, yeah, no, you're negative. Or do we just go by the fact, oh, you don't have any symptoms, so you don't have the virus, which is not necessarily, as we know, accurate in, you know, 10 or so percent of the population. When should someone actually seek medical help? Because I know one of the big issues that you already brought up is, is not even so much of us getting it, a majority of us being like people that are not in the high risk category, God rest their souls right now, because I'm just I'm praying for everyone that is in that high risk category, which you mentioned is typically someone who already has underlying medical conditions and or the elderly. But when should someone actually seek medical help? Because in the next few weeks, there's going to be this bombard, if not sooner, of people needing actual critical medical attention. So how do we know when it goes from, okay, you know what, I'm going to battle this on my own at home versus I need to go and get medical help? I would say if you start getting shortness of breath, you know, if you start having trouble breathing, there was a little thing I saw the other day and it said, if you can hold your breath for 10 seconds, you're probably okay. Now, I don't know if that's true, yeah. but you know what, if you're short of breath, you know, that's a good sign to, to, to seek medical attention. Um, you know, and and that kind of that kind of effect from COVID nineteen. I mean, I know that obviously you can't give an you know an exact percentage, but like how how much of the 
of the population percentage wise, would you say really end up suffering significantly, like, like experiencing the worst of the worst symptoms from this? Uh, I mean, I would just take a rough guess at around 10%, you know, and again, you know, Mandy, we got, that's like the people that are going to experience it the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, 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 and of course that's skewed for, you know, underlying immunocompromise, age, that kind of thing too. And again, Manny, I got to point out, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist. We did this, you know, kind of on the fly, you know, I don't want people listening to this and going, you know, Dr. Kennedy, he's, he knows what he's supposed to be. I'm giving you the best, my best guess based on being a, a medical professional for 25 years and, and seeing SARS and seeing how that played out. And I'm giving you my best guess. So don't, you know, Go to your dinner. Go to your dinner with your your partner. Totally. And go, yeah, to this doctor today, he said that if you're going to get, you know, ten percent of us are going to get that. Don't. You know, I'm trying to give you a rough idea as best as I can, piecing together almost like a detective. You know what things come up, and like what you asked me before was, you know, if there's a four, you know, fourteen day incubation period. Well, that's great, but what if you're one of those people that doesn't, you know, that doesn't show any symptoms after those fourteen days, and you still have the virus? That's not really going to help us. It's a general rule, and and I think that's basically all we're stuck with right now, Mandy, is general rules. And I think what what happens completely. Is, I appreciate yeah, we get into this fear based thing where. You know, we're not thinking with our rational brains. We're thinking with our survival brains, our limbic emotional yeah. survival brains. And basically, when we get into survival brain, this is why people buy toilet paper, is because you lose your rational brain. Because back in, in, mm-hmm. in caveman days, every threat was, was physical. You know, so we would react in this huge mm-hmm. physical way. We would shut off our rational minds because if there's a, you know, an attack from a neighboring tribe or, a, you know, saber tooth tigers coming after you, you don't really know if that has to be a Bengal tiger or maybe it's a Siberian. You don't need to know any of that stuff. You basically just need to get the hell out of there. So we're still, we still got a stone age brain in a digital, in a digital world. So we're reacting to this stuff. We go into survival brain and when we go into survival brain, we don't see the facts, even if they're there, we don't pay attention to them. We make an emotional decision based on what's going on. And I appreciate, you know, helping your listeners out there to try and, you know, ameliorate that a little bit and give them some level of a skeleton that they can follow. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's really it. Because I think, again, I just go back to like, I mean, all it takes is for me to go on Instagram, Facebook, you name it out there right now. There's so much information. And I'm not even talking about the beautiful, (laughs) funny memes. I mean, I love actually the fact that some people, (laughs) some of the memes are horrible. But I love that some people are on it. Like, that's the thing, though. It's almost like I almost feel bad saying that because I know that this is something very serious. But I guess I'm just... I'm wondering if we could get your opinion on like how serious do you of all your experiences in the medical field over the years, like how serious is this going to get? Well, I've never seen anything like this. You know, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this where, you know, events are shut down and that, and you know, SARS was a big deal, but SARS doesn't have the same infectious rate as this one does. So, you know, we don't know, you know, that's the thing. We don't know at this point. So, you know, I don't want to make doomsday I guess then, but, I guess my, yeah. like, that's what, that's what I was going to lead into is like, you know, have we seen the worst of this in North America oh, no. yet? Like what, it, it, like, what is the timeline on when and how three, this is actually going to impact months. us? 
we're going to be in this. In, yeah, from now. We're going to be in this for three to seven months. So that's that's what we're looking at. And I'm not sure. So sorry, when you say three to seven months, you mean that's like the, how it's like what does that actually mean? Starts going down. So you're saying that potentially the climax could be in three yeah. months from now. Quite possibly, depending on what different countries do, you know, to to contain yeah. it. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Yeah. And again, you know, man, this is my wow. guess, right? Like this is a guy, yeah. you know, who, who I'm, I'm, I'm an, an, an anxiety specialist. You know, I, you know, I did general mm -hmm. medicine for a number of years, but now I specialize in anxiety. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a microbiologist, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But I have seen this stuff before. And I was on the front lines with the, a lot of these things, even, even things like swine flu and that kind of thing. I was in there for that. You know, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem to have the same effectability rate as this one does. Mm -hmm. So chances are, I think most people get it on some level. Hopefully it'll be a fairly, you know, self-limited illness for most of us. And we just have to, you know, make sure as best we can to kind of delay the infection as much as possible. And if you find yourself in a situation where, again, you actually realize that you you yep. do have it, the best course of action that you can take to heal yep. yourself, aside from like the vitamin C, the vitamin D, it would be what? Well, I don't know if there is anything, man. I mean, just basically, you know, it's like, what do you tell people that have a cold? I mean, th th these viruses are related to colds. You know, there's nothing that's going to help you you know, kill a cold. I mean, some people say zinc, some people say vitamin C, some people say vitamin D. I mean, you know, fill your boots. Don't make yourself sick on vitamins. They're probably not going to hurt you. But, you know, there isn't mm -hmm. a whole lot of evidence. It's just, you know, my, my uh, good friend in Australia, Dr. Jen Draper, she is, you know, she knows a lot. She's, you know, and she really advocates vitamin C, you know, fairly high dose vitamin C for viral infections. Now, that's not a general kind of, you know, consensus in the medical field, because, you know, we don't know a whole lot about vitamins. We don't deal with them a lot. And, you know, it, it will, it, it probably won't hurt you unless you take too much and you want to get diarrhea or cramps or whatever. But, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, mm -hmm. probably a reasonable thing to do. I mean, I think there is some evidence to suggest that, you know, things like eucalyptus, essential oil, that kind of stuff helps, you know, clear the, the sinuses a little bit. That may make some difference, you know, but, Again, there's, yeah. there's really, you know, it's like having a cold. Like, what do you do for a cold? There's really not that much yeah. I can tell, you know, if somebody, I used to come in, people used to come in all the time in my office and say, you know, I, I, I have a cold, I need an antibiotic. Well, colds are viruses. Antibiotics don't work on viruses. They only work on bacteria. So I, my little joke that I used to say to them all the time, is like, well, I could give you an antibiotic and you'd be better in a week. Or I could not give you an antibiotic and you could be better in seven days. Like, take your pick. So <laughs> yeah, that's, right. So I, that's, yeah. I mean, one good thing about this COVID-19 is it doesn't seem to have that kind of cytokine storm that some of the other, um, you know, uh, coronaviruses have, which is, you know, because the, the, the flu pandemic of 1918 killed a lot of people between 18 and 25, you know, a lot. Yeah. Because they seem, it seemed to prime their immune system to go into this florid reaction. And that's what killed them a lot of it, rather than the underlying virus. Now, this virus doesn't seem to do that, thank God. And again, this virus doesn't seem to affect our youth. I mean, I've got two grandkids, I've got a daughter, I've got two sons, you know, like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you know, if this, if this is the way it's going to go, um, you know, I'm glad that it, the, the younger generation is, is going to be spared. Now, 
I also have a lot of, you know, my mom's 86, my, my parents-in-law are in their 70s. You know, it's hard, you know, because we don't know what's going to happen with them. Well, that's just it. Like, even right now myself, it's like yeah. I'm struggling with the fact that I'm I'm young, I'm healthy, you know, knock on wood, literally. But, you know, I'm afraid right now to even go and exactly. see my grandparents in case exactly. I'm a carrier. You know, like, that's what I'm dealing with right now. And I'm sure there's so many people out there listening who are very, very concerned about their, you know, Absolutely. older relatives yeah. or friends. It's like how to navigate that, like, especially when it's something you don't even right. know you might have. Yeah. And this is really hard. And this is what I'm seeing. As people, you know, when they get into the fear phase, they start going, okay, well, I'm only 35, so this is probably not going to affect me. You know, so, and then, well, what about the people that are 70? What about the people that have looked after you your whole, like your mom, your dad, you know, that kind of stuff? What about them? Like, why are we just automatically discounting them? Oh, I'm probably okay because, you know, I'm 35. You know, well, what about them? What about them? You know, that, that's, that's one of the things that bugs me is that, that all this stuff, oh, well, it's probably, and, and I may be as guilty of it as anyone else because I've been saying this thing, it does seem to, to, you know, spare our younger people for sure. But, you know, yeah, I mean, they're people we love, right? And chances are we're going to, you know, not to get too much of a downer, but we're going to lose some people we love in this thing, you know, over the next year. And yeah. I, I think it's just, it, it's, it's coming together as human beings and being able to support each other. And on some level, you know, this virus is going to be the best thing that ever happened to us. And on another level, it's going to be the worst thing that ever happened to us. One of the things that I'm really curious from your standpoint is just some of, if you can clear up, because I think there is so much good information out there, but there's so much mm -hmm. misinformation. What are some of the common misconceptions or worst, like, misinformation you've read, heard, or seen that's out there? Oh, geez, I have to think about that for a sec. Because there's, oh, I mean... You know, the whole bioterrorism thing is a big one. Just trying to think of what other sort of misinformation stuff comes out. I don't tend to pay a lot of attention to that stuff, Manny. Like I, you know, I think that's part of my medical training, my scientific training. When I see something that I, it just, this makes totally no sense to me. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time reading it. So I'm probably not the best guy to ask about the crazy, wacky kind of scenarios. Because when I see them, it's like, well, this doesn't deserve my time, you know? Some somebody from Yale or Harvard saying, "Okay, this is this is the, the the cases double or triple every three to four days, and we have to watch that." I'm much more likely to put my intellectual knowledge and framework into that than some of these crazy conspiracy theories. So I don't know if I would really. Maybe I'll ask you what what's kind of the weird ones that you've seen. Thank you. I feel grateful that you asked because there's a few that actually while we were, while we were discussing this question in particular, a few popped into my head. So, for example, it's not as much of a misconception as it makes me wonder, though, like the the validity. I've seen a lot of people reposting yes. other things that, for example, I've seen a few different long, long letters written apparently by people who are currently yep. in Italy or people in Spain, uh, different countries that are apparently being far more affected than us right now. And it, it's just, it's kind of like you read it and, or you at least I've skimmed through some of these and it's almost like this, like literally word for word, the, yes. the same letter by the same person has been copy and pasted over and over and over yes. on different people's feeds. And you start to go like, I mean, is it, are they just fear mongering? Are they, is this true? Could this actually be happening right now? Is this valid? Like, 
is this something I even need to pay attention to? Am I just feeding into fear in this way? Like, I mean, I guess that's kind of the, like, well, they kind what? Of dangle the carrot. Is yeah. it even, yeah. should we just in, close in, that off? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The carrot there. So a lot of these little things have a little thing. Like one of them, I remember saying, um, the, the virus can't survive at 26 or 27 degrees. And maybe I'm misreading this because I probably didn't read it that carefully. But the last time I, I checked, uh, when I went to medical school, human temperature was 37 degrees. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, maybe they, maybe they were referring mm -hmm. to can't survive outside at 26 or 27 degrees. I don't know. But it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, some of the stuff that comes up. Uh, but I think it does make people, it gives people some kind of something to hold on to. Oh, you know, when the summer comes, this, you know, this won't be able to live because it's, you know, it's 27 degrees outside. So it's going to get, it's going to get killed. Like, I think people want to grasp onto any possible thing. And as soon as you start developing that survival mentality, everything else comes in, you know, being a, you know, a human kind of neuroscientist and I, I, I really study how people process information mm -hmm. and stuff. As soon as you start going into survival brain, you've lost, you know, 70% of your brain. You've lost 70% of your rationality. And things that looked stupidly ridiculous 10 minutes before, now all of a sudden, you know, seem kind of, oh, I guess that's possible. So. I think that it's like they want to fill the gap, I guess, in the unknown. And, and they just want they're like I think it, again it goes back to sort of two really it's kind of extreme band camps of people I've seen where they either don't take this seriously whatsoever and they'll find everything right. they can online to basically confirmation bias um, confirmation bias prove yeah. you believe what yeah exactly exactly confirmation bias Absolutely. is the perfect yes exactly so if they don't believe it or they either don't believe it yep. or they don't want to believe that it's actually going to happen they'll grasp onto anything that proves you know whether it's someone saying there's this conspiracy theory or you know for points a b and c this is why it's not even a big deal like you know there's exactly. only been one death yep. in all of canada yep. and all these things and then the total other end of the spectrum are the people who are completely convinced that our world is ending there's a zombie apocalypse about to happen literally like you name it they are in panic full-blown mode and anything they can throw online to to feed yeah. into that is what they want to do but then i i do i guess there is that third there's that third kind of band camp of people that i've seen where it's healthier than the first two that I explained as being extremists, but they still have this air of like, and I, I, I probably fit into this more. It's like, I know there's a lot of facts out there. I know that there is, there's definitely caution right now. Like I'm definitely, and I won't say it's like, I'm not completely scared, but I definitely know that this is something that I need to at least prepare myself for, um, whatever that means. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I try to err on the positive, but, it, but we're really like, it's, it is hard to know what to believe at this point, as you said, because there are so many variables there's so many unknowns still to even people who are even going through apparently the worst yeah. of what it could get. You to. know, those carnival games, Manny, where you go down and you got to throw a, a softball <laughs> into a milk can or, or toss a baseball into five yeah. things and turn around. You know, the only way to win those games is not is not to play them. 
That's the thing. So when you get into this thing mm. about, you know, the fear and all that kind of stuff, it's basically what you have to do is, is really sort of go into yourself and just kind of like, you know what, there, how much control do you think I have? It's like my friend, Kevin, Kevin Fox, one of my favorite yeah. comedians of all time. He was sitting at a bar in the United States after doing a show. He's a great stand-up comic. And one of the guys came up to him and said, hey, uh, you know, he was an American guy. And he, so he says to Kevin, he goes, uh, Kevin's Canadian. He goes, uh, how come you didn't come to war with us? And uh, Kevin looked at him and said, uh, hey, man, it wasn't my call. Right? Like, how much, how much power do you think I mm. wield here in Canada? How much do you think they're, they're, we, we can yeah. actually do about this? So if there isn't much you can do about it, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, if there isn't much I can do about the outside, what can I do about the inside? You know, can I take care of myself? Can I, can I yeah. drink water? Can I put my hand on my chest? Can I focus on I'm safe in this moment? Can I focus on the fact that I'm like everybody listening right now, like sit or, look around in the room that you're in. If you're lying on your bed or you're sitting somewhere, I, and just ask yourself, are you safe? Are you safe? Like right now? Are you safe? It's like, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and it's moment. not one of these sort of panaceas, you know, yeah, I'm safe. I'm fine. Whatever. Like, yeah. like put your head in the clouds or like put your head in the sand of like, oh, let's just ignore yeah. everything that's going on in the world. No, it's more about the present moment and just literally checking in with yourself so that and you don't get lost in that sea. Because the thing is, sea. when we get into these worries, exactly. there's part of our brain that actually believes we're infected and we're going to die. There's part of us that actually believes that. Yeah. Now, that, that's the problem. So, yeah. so then our bodies react to that as if it's real because your body reacts to something, you know, that your mind comes up with almost as much as it would if the thing was actually happening. So you have to be really aware and go, okay, am I safe in this moment? Yeah, I'm safe in this moment. Can I, can I sit in this moment and realize that I'm safe and then use that as some sort of resource for my own mental and physical health, rather than staying in this suspended animation of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, could I have it? Do I have a cough? Do I have a sneeze? Can I take this? Should I take this pill? Should I try this? Should I go to the fridge? Should I open the fridge? Can I get it from a fridge? If I go outside and walk my dog, can I get it from a dog? Can I go down the street? If someone passes me and splashes a, a bunch of water up on me from a car, it's not gonna make sure I get, you know, like this is the the, the idiocy of, 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 our, of our mental state. And believe me, I had anxiety for many, many years. That's why I'm an anxiety specialist. I know all this stuff. So it's like one thing I can tell you is, totally. you know, it's basically really gonna come down to how much can you look after yourself? How much can you sort of sit in the safety of yeah. the moment that you're in so that when the this crap does hit the fan, you'll have all this time that you've kind of calmed yourself down and you've got yourself into this resourced place. Whereas if you are for the next three months panicked about this thing, that's not going to do your immune system very much good. Totally. I love that. Oh, there's so much I know you love wisdom okay. in what you just said there. And so much. <laughs> well, I love how wise you are. And I love how you really do bring us all back too. down to earth. Because... I, did you see that picture like of me in, in Mexico? <laughs> like, I've got abs I mean, well. there... like, I'm not just... I'm not just a doctor, you know. Well, we all know you have a very loving oh, marriage, Dr. S. <laughs> but that being said, no, I really do love just some, some of the philosophies that you have in terms of dealing with this because I think you're right on a on a on a micro scale, it's really important to just start with yourself. All you can you do. know, it's it's again, it goes back yeah. to that unless you have kids. Exactly, right? You can't pour from an empty cup.
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that's the thing. You have to start with yourself in this, in this world. When we're dealing with something like this, it can, it's so easy to get overwhelmed so quickly with the amount. And, and I mean, I would say in the last few days alone, the amount of news, the amount of updates, the amount of, it is so hyper stimulating and is so, it can be so overwhelming for even someone who typically is very grounded. Like I would consider myself very grounded. And even I found myself at times going like, whoa, yeah. I need to shut the news off, you know, or oh, okay, I need to literally stop reading my, my social media feeds because it's just it's literally there is no shortage of everyone has an opinion Everyone's everyone an is spewing out info yeah. exactly right everyone's an expert so it's just it can get really overwhelming especially like i do i would definitely consider myself an empath and being hypersensitive i really i mean that's part of even why i love having you on because i know there's a lot of people who feel the same way it's not just a matter of feeling overwhelmed but it's also a matter of all of this information like can we please just get some like bleeping clarity on it because who knows what is real and what's not and i think you nailed it in that it all starts with you and i do believe it's a snowball effect your thoughts are a snowball effect and like you you brought up as well your mind will subconsciously want to feed whatever it is the direction you're deciding to go into. So it's, it's like they say, you know, when you want to track something, say you have your mind on a certain car, you will see that car everywhere, everywhere. It's the same as this information that's coming out. If you're airing on, doesn't matter. You're going to look for every other person that's in that range of, Confirmation eh, it's bonus. not a big deal, yeah. whatever. And on the other side, exactly. On the other end of the spectrum, you're going to, if you're in that, you know, fear-based mongering, whatever you want to call that, your energy and attention is just going to keep taking you down that snowball effect and picking out anyone else who's on that bandwagon. So I think it's really great that we've clarified some of the misconceptions here and just, and, and also the factor of fear in itself. What are some of the most common questions you're getting bombarded by? Because I know you mentioned that a lot of people are in this time reaching out to especially MDs and people who are in the healthcare industry. Maybe just a couple we can go over of the most common questions that you could bring well, clarity to everyone listening. Is, you know, am I going to get sick? What are the risks that I'm going to get sick? Are we going to, you know, am I going to escape this thing? And, and usually I say probably not. Probably the way it's being spread now is probably most people are going to wind up getting it or being exposed to it on some level. Now, it depends on how well your body handles it. In a way, you know, it's almost like luck of the draw because I don't think we're going to be able to, to, to contain this thing to the point where, you know, it, it goes back into, into the ground. You know, I think it's, it's, it, the cat's out of the bag now. So I think the way this thing is spread, I think most of us are going to get exposed to it. Hopefully, you know, the, the number of cases are, are underreported now. So there's, you know, maybe 10 times the cases that, you know, we appear to have, we actually do have. Like there was uh, Dr. Michael Mina. I think he was, uh, where was he? I think he was in the States. But he, he said, uh, oh, no, I think it was China. Because he said that the, the true infection rate in China was well over a million, you know, which, which brings the fatality rate of it down to about the same as, as the flu, you know. So it's just that if, if we're not seeing all these cases and we're not testing for all these cases, you know, it could be a lot milder. So even though a lot of us are going to get it, 
it may not be this, you know, horrendous, you know, illness. But again, in the, those of us who are susceptible, it, it, you know, may not be the greatest kind of thing to have to face. So there's no guarantees. And I think it really comes back down to again, like, what do I get asked about people? It's like, how does it spread? Well, it appears to spread, you mm -hmm. know, because does washing my hands help? Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it, it does help to some extent. If it is an airborne virus, washing your hands is, you know, it's, it's going to maybe mitigate 25%. And I'm just, I'm just throwing that number out because I don't know. But it's not like you could, you could basically yeah. wash your hands from dawn till dusk every day and still get the coronavirus because it's spread from an airborne source. So, and we have these high rates yeah. when people initially get infected, they get these huge numbers of viral loads in their nasopharynx and their, and their nose and their throat. And they're not even, they're not even symptomatic. So these massive numbers, like, like 10 times the amount that we had with SARS, you know, these huge numbers of, of viruses that are um, in the back of the, the nose and the throat um, that, that are infectious but, you know, people don't know. They don't know they have it. So I think, you know, this whole thing and, and, and where we're going with this is that there's, not, there's nothing I can tell you to reassure you, Andy, I guess is what I'm saying. All I can do is just give you the facts that we have at this point. So, mm -hmm. so that's really what it comes down to. And I think, you know, a lot of people look for doctors to reassurance. And, and you know, for, that was our job for a number of years. And it, and it still is. But there is a point where we got to say, you know, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, we can guess. And then and again, like I said, I'm not an epidemiologist. I've studied this stuff, but, but I, I'm not an epidemiologist. I know exactly how it works. Uh, but, you know, I've got a pretty good scientific background. And I know what our zeros, our knots are, like how fast the things change and, and how quickly things can change. But, you know, I think, yeah. That's a big one that I've heard a lot of people talking about. Because right now, you know, I went for a nice walk today. It's Sunday. It's a, a beautiful sunny day yeah. here in Toronto. And I know you've been having a great weekend. And like, life is is yep. as normal. Aside from some cancellations this week, I'm not, knock yep. on wood, I'm feeling healthy. Oh, I'm going to start my week on a positive note. Aside from, again, some cancellations of things that I love. Given today's date, based on from what you've experienced and researched and all all of that from your end, when do you feel like we're going to really start to feel this as 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 weeks. Canada? Three to four weeks, yeah. Three to four weeks from now, we'll from really now. start seeing pressure on hospitals and that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you think it could even be sooner? Oh, it's possible. I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's possible. Uh, just by the way that Canada's handled this so far and the fact that most people are kind of staying home and not giving the virus a bunch of human hosts to bounce between. Um, I think they'll slow the curve for sure. Uh, but because it is so infectious and there, there are so many people and you can't, you, you know, you can't stop a lot of things, you know, healthcare workers have to go to work. People have to, people have to interact with other people. Um, you can modify the, the accelerated growth of it. But I think at some point there will be a point where it's just, mm -hmm. you know, there's, but you know, in the meantime, yeah, go for walks. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think ever we're going to get to a point where, you know, even in two months from now, you can't go, go for a walk, you know, probably by yourself, you know, around and, you know, yeah. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just my, I, I'm yeah. not, I, I'm certainly not a medical expert nor, you know, I'm not an expert uh, at telling people what they should and shouldn't do. I know what feels good for me. I like fresh air and especially, you know, most of the gyms around me right, right now are not able yeah. to be used anyways. So, you know, the extra yeah. cardio helps me function and I like getting some vitamin D through sunshine. So, I mean, and that's a thing. I even posted that on my social media today. And I just said, just because social distancing is the recommended thing for us to be doing right now, it doesn't mean you can't leave your house by yourself or even with your family right now and just go for a walk. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't mean you have to sit Absolutely at home not. and do nothing. Yeah. I guess a really, I mean, this is a, this is more you and I and our sense of humor. I love it by the way. <laughs> but okay. So we've seen so many photos of, Empty shelves, people stocking up on toilet paper and cleaning products. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not even talking about the people who are misusing this whole thing right. to resell online and do like just insane, like, you know, just very abusive things, taking advantage of this situation. I'm just talking about the people who are actually coming from a fear-based mindset. What should people actually well, be stocking up on in your opinion? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's the only thing that really mitigates I love fear, it. for one. Well, not to mention the fact that I've had a number of people actually, and I've had this conversation with a number of people now, but we have toilet paper manufacturers in Canada that pretty much across the board have all said yeah. there will be yeah. no shortage of toilet paper so, people. You know, I, I think it's, it's just kind of an effigy of, you know, the world we live in right now is that, you know, people are, are wanting to hoard things. The thing is, you know, life's going to go on. You know, life is going to go on, you know, a year from now, um, we're going to lose a few people. Uh, I think that's, you know, but a year from now, you know, there's yeah. going to be concerts, there's going to be, you know, it's life is going to go on. Life is going to go on. It may, it may be long. Happy but, times. I mean, I, yeah. I'm all about tuning into your happiness right now. I mean, I think we can make this moment happy. So all y'all listening right now, you better jump on this bandwagon with us because I am shooting out my yeah. positive so, vibes you know, to you right like, now. <laughs> and doing stuff like that, it, it, you know, it's helpful. It's keeping people's spirits up. It, it's, you know, it's, it's focusing on the positive. Um, and it's not getting sucked down into that sort of survival brain. That uh, that's the people that are going out and buying 75 rolls of toilet paper right now. That's their survival brain. Because they know, like, toilet paper is yeah. not going to, unless you can wrap yourself in, you know, 15 rolls of toilet paper, maybe that'll block the prevent or the spread of the virus. I don't know. Maybe that's that's the plan. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Some of the memes I've seen are that alone. I almost, I, maybe they're probably, I, I should not doubt that there is probably, there are websites out there oh, that course. are just booths of memes. I and maybe that's what we need more of during this is just some humor. Yeah. Humor. And I said that laughter yeah. is the best medicine. It really is. Dr. S and you being a good friend as well. Like I know we've talked so much about the physical and I am grateful for you to share with the audience what you can to help clarify some things that are going on or, you know, we being put out there. Let's dive into the psychological effect now that this is having on people. Um, just because you are known as the anxiety MD. I know you put out so much useful and beneficial uh, content out there and you work with so many people. And I mean, this is definitely, I've seen this just based on and watching people online. And I'm just going to say this, I get the sense that this 
situation is really triggering people. And it's, it's actually hyper stimulating something that they're feeling within. So if they're prone to being fear-based mindset, it's making that come out. If they're prone to kind of being like, I don't want to hear about the negative. I just want to focus on the positive. It kind of makes those, those people do that even more. It's kind of like, it just accentuates what's yeah what they're already their vibe kind of is. I would really love to know what are your thoughts on the emotional and mental toll that this is having right now. And also just the short term, but also the long term effect of what this kind of situation is going to have on our society. Look at times of war, people come together in times of war. When you have a common enemy, people come together. It's one of the few times that we actually feel I, you know, I know some people who said that world war two was the best time of their lives. Because, you know, we didn't have this, you know, fundamental mistrust of other people and we could actually be connected to each other and, and not have to worry about all these things that, you know, we get into our heads about, do they like me? Do they not like me? Is this going to be a problem or whatever? You know, you're, you're united. So on some level, that's why I said earlier on, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to us and the worst thing that ever happened to us on some levels. So it does force us, if you look at Italy now, like there's people out on their balconies playing violins and singing, and they're, they're actually really connecting with each other. And that's really helping their immune systems. You know, it really is. And this fear, this, you know, this, this fear, mm-hmm. this isolationist sort of mentality that we get, we get alarmed. And, you know, this is what happens is we get this alarm, and this alarm is in our body. You know, this is, this, this is alarm from... You know, from our ancestors and from from you know cavemen, cave people, we've had this alarm in our system since humans have been humans. So it's it's what you do with it is it what makes the difference. So if you have alarm in your system and you're carrying it around, your brain, which is just a, a mind, which is just a fundamental make sense meaning making machine, it's going to read that alarm that you've got in your body, and it's going to make up a horrible story about it because. It hates that. It hates the dissonance. It hates the feeling like, what's going on in my gut? I have this, like, this, this big idea that something, this impending doom's going to happen. And then the left hemisphere of the brain can't handle that for too long. Yeah. So what it has to do is it's like, okay, well, let's, let's reduce the dissonance here. Let's reduce the uncertainty by making a worry about this. So what happens is the brain comes up and says, oh, well, you know, you could die of this or your parent could die of this. And it's like, oh, well, that's really painful. Like, I don't really like that. But on some level, it makes sense to human beings because now that dissonance, that incongruity between your body and your mind is not there anymore. So your your body feels, hold on, body feels this alarm. And your brain has to make sense of that alarm. And the best way it makes sense of an alarm is to make an alarming story. And then the whole cycle starts on itself. What you're saying, to clarify that, is basically when someone has an unknown, our brain will naturally try to fill in the gap. And if it's someone who's prone to having a fear-based mindset, their brain will continuously yeah, have that snowball of paranoia. Is that, is that what you're I saying? I think that we hold... A, a, a tremendous amount of alarm in our body. You know, it's a, we, we, we think that anxiety and mental health issues are, mm. are something that are, are just brain-based, but a lot of it actually is in our body. A lot of it we store, and a lot of it, you know, when we can't handle something, especially as children, we, we offload it into the body because the mind, the mind can't handle it anymore. And then it just, it just reverberates from that point on, 
And then that's what creates a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. depression, OCD, because our minds basically just are reflecting this repressed or this, this alarm that we've pushed down in our systems sometimes for decades. And then the only way that, that we make sense of it is to make a, a worrisome story about it. And then when we make a worrisome story about it, we believe that worrisome story, which goes into our body, which makes more alarm, which impairs our brain even more to be rational. So we're less rational. So then we think of these other stories that are even worse, but because we don't have the rational part of our brain anymore, and we're just dealing with survival brain, these crazy scenarios seem to make, make perfect sense which creates more alarm and it's the whole cycle. So, you know, so w what we need to do is deal with that the body sense. and the mind at the same time. So that's why I said, well, get into your body, you know, like put your hand on your chest, like get into sensation, you know, rub your hands together, touch your face, you know, get into sensation because you, yes. you have to, your, your sensation, you feel in the moment, right? Like as soon as the thing about worries is they're all yes. about the future. Present like, moment oh God, awareness. What if I get this? I wonder if my parents get this. It's all about the future. So as soon as you get into into the future, you're in no man's land. There's no there's no security. There's no grounding. There's no whatever. And then our mind and our body just go out of cycle out of control. Now, if you can pull yourself back into your body, you know, focus on your sensation. Focus on your breath. Focus on just being your feet on the ground. Focus on stuff that you can feel right now in this moment that's going to bring you into the moment because you can't feel tomorrow you have to feel right now so when you feel now yes and the, this moment this breath each and every breath no you know no pun intended yeah. speaking of a virus that you know targets the lungs but you know it's really each and every breath that we have in this moment right now is all that we have and so if you can pull yourself back it's again reminding yourself are you healthy right now check if you're not okay then you can at least deal with that in the moment you know it's it's not about what's going to happen tomorrow it's not about worrying what's going to happen you know three to six three to seven nine whatever year from now months it's what's happening right now and i think that could alleviate a lot of stress that people are feeling because they're fearful of what's to come and that unknown is what's really freaking a lot of people out right now and the other thing that I'm really curious to ask you about in terms of the psychological effect that coronavirus is, is either having or going to have on people, let's talk about the effect of the actual quarantine right now. Because it's one thing to know that this is going to physically affect us and to have that pressure already. But the fact that we are all now being it's recommended for us to be in quarantine, whether that's on our own with our family or significant other right now. I mean, let's dive into what the psychological effect is going to be if this turns into a very long-term thing where we're not allowed to go to social gatherings, where we're not allowed to have sporting events anymore, where, you know, we're not really allowed to really even touch people very often and like I say this only because I've seen, you know, on the humorous side of things, I've seen videos where they do like mock-ups of people, you know, like kind of avoiding each other to the point where they're like creeping against the wall to wall, like against one another. So they're like the furthest possible away from one another. But there is that kind of sense right now where, again, people are kind of afraid to like even interact in person. 
Well, I think so. Can we dive into that a little bit, Russ? I mean, if you look at uh, Italy right now, people are out on their balconies singing. You know, like they are connecting. I think we will find ways to connect, and I think that's one of the things that I think will be good for us is that we won't take each other for granted so much. You know, I feel bad for the people who are truly lonely and on their own. You know, and don't have anybody. Those those are difficult. And the other thing, getting back to a quarantine, you know. There's, there's a difference between a quarantine and where you can't go out of your house. I can, you know, technically we're supposed to be quarantined now, but we go to the grocery store and we pick up stuff and that kind of stuff. That's not a quarantine. Quarantine is when you're, you're you know, by definition, you're not ex- exposed to anybody else. And we're not really getting into that unless you're officially, you know, officially diagnosed with this. And those people I feel really bad for because they're, you know, there's these people with hazmat suits around and, you know, you got to feel like a, uh, like a leper on some level because, you know, these people, you know, that's the people I feel bad about for people mm-hmm. day to day, you know, when, when we, when we get so-called quarantine in our homes, you know, that's, that's not a quarantine, you know, I mean, it will have some effect, but we will find ways of connecting with each other. And I think I have trust in human beings that they will find ways to connect with each other. I mean, it may be more that we're doing more Skype stuff or whatever, or maybe that we're actually on Skype, that we're actually really appreciating the person that we're talking to, as opposed to, okay, well, I've got five meetings today and I've got to finish this up. I think we're going to start seeing that our human interactions are a lot more valuable than what we've given them credit for. Yeah. I mean, for anyone listening out there, I guess if there's people who are struggling, I know this is, again, this is only the beginning of this, all everything that's happening because it's happened so quickly. But if there are people out there who are struggling with, you know, say that they are so used to their routine and their lifestyle of going to work, socializing, going to say concerts and get togethers, going to the gym, you know, watching sporting events on TV or even attending them, all of those things. And you've taken all of that away from them. Like what would be your words of wisdom for someone who might be struggling right now who? is just it is feeling that loneliness mm-hmm. they might have some who knows maybe they are on their own or not but maybe they have family at home but they're just the whole like shock and shift of what's going on Find in the world way. what you would know, your best advice be for someone who's struggling out there Russ? a lot of people don't do what they have to do until they're forced to do it right so you know if you've been isolating yourself or whatever yeah, there will be a subpopulation that will just, you know, completely dive underground with this. But also, you know, when we're pushed to the wall as human beings, we usually kind of bounce back, you know. So my guess would be that people that are kind of on their own in general are kind of now forced to go out and connect through other means, you know, whether or not that be the Internet or whatever, and really find that interaction, even if it is uh, digital. Because before they may have just sort of, you know, oh, well, maybe I won't buy, you know, it's like now in a way they're going to be forced to go in there and do it and see, perhaps open up a, a brand new world. Like this, this virus is going to open up a brand new world for a lot of us. I think it's, it's really important that we stop taking each other for granted so much. Now, you know, five years later, we'll probably be doing the exact same thing as we were, you know, six months ago. But at least, at least we get a, a look at what it's like to be really connected. And again, you know, you look at wartime, how connected people were through wartime, you know, and, and, and that's what's going to happen. We are going to connect. We are yeah, going to connect. Yeah, I definitely you see know, that. We, we, I definitely do from see that. For so long that, you know, it takes something like this to show us that we are social, 
that we do need to interact with each other. And just because we're not going to the Madonna concert anymore doesn't mean that we're not connected. In fact, you know, you take a bunch of people that go to the Madonna concert and they leave and they're not really that connected. But if you get a bunch of people now who are, you know, really wanted to be inter interactive with each other, even if that is digital, they're probably really going to find a way of doing it, of, of getting every, every drop of that interaction out of yeah. a Skype call or whatever. Whereas before it was just like, oh yeah, whatever, you know. I think that's it. I think you nailed that one too in that I think situations like this that are dark and or could be really negative, I think they force you to push you past of your course. comfort zone and also make you aware of what's really important in your life. And I, I love I love to be able to focus yeah. on that because I do consider myself a life cheerleader. And I know all y'all listening out there know that I only really like to have guests like you, Dr. S, who are also lights in this world. Well, I'm really committed to you know helping people use their own subconscious mind in their favor as opposed to it you know being against them because so much of our you know subconscious or unconscious mind is fear-based and it just it, it winds up just sucking the life out of our lives from behind the scenes and we don't even know that that we're having the life sucked out of us totally it's that it's that adage as they say you know you can really be your own worst enemy and i think again in th these kind of situations that i know we've never dealt with anything just like this yeah. with the coronavirus, but let's just say in general, situations that really push you to your limit and really strip you of what you're used to and, and take you out of your comfort zone, I think they, they're, they're such opportunities for growth and it's, it, you either, you get sucked in and you, you're your own worst enemy or you rise above and you can be your own best friend and, and we you need your own life cheerleader and like, lift yourself the thing. up. Like, that's of, why we're sick is that we're so disconnected from money. Totally. Now we're, totally. We, we follow money so much. And we're so, like one of my favorite sayings is, you know, don't compare your inside life to someone else's outside life. Like don't go on Instagram and see this person who's been in, you know, Sydney and then Thailand. And, and don't compare yourself to those people because you have no idea what's going on inside their head. And the ones that are the most, that, that appear like they most got it together are the ones that are just compelled to kind of try and prove themselves over and over again. So, you know, we really have to be get into this level of honesty with each other. Like this is the human condition. This is what we're like. And we thrive when we're connected with each other. That's the way we're supposed to live. That's exactly how our immune systems are supposed to function optimal, optimally. Why our health is suffering is because we're just getting more and more separate from each other. Mostly because we're following the money, you know, every day on Facebook, it's like, Hey, I'll show you how to be a million dollar coach. And this is what I did. And I got this Ferrari and it's like, Oh, for Christ's sake, you know, that is just taking us farther and farther away from, from what we think is important. And, it, and it's analogous to stocking toilet paper, you know, it's like, okay, we'll get all this toilet paper and you'll be happy. It's like, no, you won't. You totally. Know? To me, business always boils down yeah. to the relationships, you know, the real connection you make with other people. And if you want to be successful, it just this is completely my own philosophy. It's about really connecting to whoever it is you're trying to serve on this planet, right? And so, you know, and that's, and I, I, you know, all the friends I have in my life, including you, Russ, we connect because we are able to be vulnerable and honest with one another. And also really, like, I love what you just said, because it is true. It's all about, you know, rising together. We rise by, you know, that saying we rise by lift, lifting each other up. It really is about that. So I think 
you know, as much as coronavirus, there's so much unknown and there's so much that we could focus on, you know, in a detrimental way. There's so much opportunity for us to grow through this and to really rise above and also to be a leader. You know, it doesn't have to mean that you're a social media star and, you know, you, you lead like the world. Start with yourself. Start with a few people maybe that are the closest to you yeah, and really help does. each other get through this. Yeah. Cause that's really what it's going to boil down to. I yeah. think ultimately is just helping yeah. one another through this it, it, because it is only a period. Nope. It's, I'm not saying it's going to be short term. I, I don't know. You don't know, but I think that's it through whatever, however long this is going to last. We really need to, to, to come together yeah. and help each other yeah, heal that's really each other through this. To. Which is beautiful because free, you and I both have created stuff. tools that are free, free for stuff. people to, right? We, we all love free. <laughs> but your meditation, I actually, uh, I did, I was privy enough to listen to it. And I think it's actually a beautiful way to boost your immune system. And I'm grateful that not only you created it, but you're offering it to my audience um, as some of the first people to be able to experience it. So there'll be, I'm going to put the link below to the, the page and website that they can get that freebie meditation on. And aside from that, I mean, I'm, I, I'd love to just put it out there to you. If there's anything else you want to focus on or, or anything you want to provide clarity well, on right now really that you're feeling in your heart yourself. space to you know, share with the so audience. It's so easy to get afraid. And when we get afraid, we split from ourselves. And when we're split from ourselves, we can't do anything. You know, we're basically just fear tuning forks at that point. So it's really connecting with yourself. And that's why I like, you know, creating these hypno meditations for people because it really is about connecting to your breath, connecting to your sensation, feeling that you're safe in the moment. Because when you do that, you get your rational brain back. When you have your rational brain back, you can actually see the forest for the trees at that point. So that's, you know, I like doing stuff like that because it really does go out into the world and it does really make a difference for people. And that's, you know, it's a 20 minute meditation and, and basically you don't have to, it's not hard. You just basically listen to it. And it, it is some of those things that will, that will connect you to yourself. And the more that you do it, the more you're, it will boost your immune system. You know, I mean, Joe Dispenza talks a lot about this, about how your thoughts, you know, create and, and, and engineer your body. And I'm, I'm a little less, you know, kind of out there than he is. But I do believe that if you focus on your B cells and your T cells, and, you know, even if it's for a short period of time a day, that they, they're strong and they're healthy, they're immune system cells, B cells and T cells their immune system cells and your immune system is strong and that your relationship with yourself is strong. You're going to, you're going to be in the best possible position to combat this virus, you know, or flow through it or whatever way you want to say it, you know? So it is one of those things that I wanted to create for people and make it free. You know, I didn't want to make any money off of this. I wanted to get, to get out there because I really do feel a, we need to connect better with ourselves. And when we do that, we're going to be healthier in general. But I also want to give you that little extra boost about, hey, this is really pay attention to your immune system, you know, because it may, maybe the, the immune cells don't get any better when you think about them. But you're more likely to instead of, you know, picking the choice of the, the grape pop to, you know, have a, a clear water. Instead, you know, like you're more likely to start looking after yourselves. And I think we've got into this thing in North America where we we treat ourselves so much with junk that, you know, we don't. And I'm, believe me, I'm no I'm no health food girl. Like I, I yesterday I ate half a bag of, of uh, salt and vinegar chips. And at the end, I licked the bag. 
So, you know, it's not like, it's not like I'm some sort of like, hey, you know, <laughs> of health. it's just, it's just, it's part and parcel of looking after yourself really. And then when you have that, when you have that connection with yourself, you just naturally make that connection with others because your, your relationship with others can be no better than the relationship you have with yourself. Like it just can't. So why not optimize your relationship with yourself, optimize your immune system, and then you're most likely to kind of get through this with the, the minimal amount of trauma. And that's basically what I'm aiming for. So yeah, the anxiety MD, if you, if you do that, are Russell Kennedy, like Russell in the bushes. And I always say two S's, two L's, two N's. With everything going on, I'm definitely going to be releasing uh, some tools that people can turn to to help them through this process and journey. And people can look out for that stuff on all my socials. Everyone knows it's either Pave Your Paradise or uh, Mandy J. Ross, either on YouTube or social media. So that's uh, together. I know you and I are going to be putting out there a lot of beautiful resources for people and tools. Now, what resource would you say, because again, there's so many different, you know, sources that, and experts, quote unquote, that are coming out there with this stuff. What's a resource that you would actually say is reliable I mean, that people health, could turn I mean, to for some information on, you know, about coronavirus? They're a pretty conservative outfit, but they're pretty reliable. You know, they don't, they don't tend to be uh, out there on the leading edge of stuff a lot. I mean, they try to be for sure. Um, it's mostly this, you know, leading edge of the people that are in China, and you know, we're seeing and in Italy, we're seeing that from there. But World Health is is a pretty good resource for information, and there really isn't, you know, there's nothing that's going to come out. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, we find that if you rub, uh, you know, mandarin oranges on your left thigh, that it's going to cure the virus. You know, we're not going to get that. You know, it's not like there's going to be this 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 brand new you know, a uh, bit of information that's going to change our lives. This is going to get busier. You know, there's going to be more people that, that struggle with it. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's really a lot of just common sense. You know, if you, you see somebody on Facebook trying to sell you some something for 1995, yeah. it's probably not going to help, you know, but if you get something from World Health or Canada Health, you know, it's probably going to be fairly good. And then we have uh, in Canada, we have 811. So with the nurses line, which is pretty swamped these days, but, you know, um, it's still reasonable. There's the, the government websites as well. But again, like I said, you know, more information isn't necessarily better. And I, I think it's just, it's, it's really, uh, if there's one thing I wanted to get across, it's just become totally. connected to yourself. Don't watch the news so much, you know, like it, it's not, it's not going to change. It's not going to change your mind for one. And it, it will change your body. Like it will, you know, when you hear this stuff all the time, you know, our bodies can only handle so much negativity. And, you know, have, have a little news break where you can, you know, you get, you get a, you know, half an hour a day or whatever. And after that, just shut it off. You know, it's not like uh, they're going to say, oh, by the way, you know, coming down your street is this thing and it's, you know, it's going to kill you. So be careful. It, you're not going to get any of that. Basically, there's not going to say anything new. It's going to be one of those CNN ticker tapes that they just say the same thing over and over and over again. And the more they say it, the more you believe it. So, you know, it's just basically look after yourself, look after the people that are close to you, connect to other people as best you can. Try and, you know, as as, as John Lennon cliches, it sounds, just try to to get some love and just, just, you know, spread that out to people. That's what I'm trying to do with this, you know, making this meditation till 3.30 in the morning. It's just my way of kind of, spreading the love out to people and saying, hey, you know, there are people out there that aren't just looking after your money. 
They don't just want your money. You know, like I want to put this out so it actually will help people totally move through this. So Russ, I know this has not been a typical Pave Your Paradise podcast, but given that we are in this time, this day, in this moment right now, I still want to ask you what paradise means to you. I'd really love to know your personal definition in this exact moment in time. You know, just enjoying myself, though I don't have to be anyone else. I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to accomplish more. Um, I can just, you know, hang out with my family, play guitar with my son, hang out with my daughter, hang out with my grandkids. You know, that's basically it. Let's and is see. there anything know, that you I wish we talked about today? All. You know, I just basically want people to, you know, I want the anxiety MD to go worldwide. I want to be able to, you know, I've, I've spent most of my life learning about this stuff and helping people understand how their subconscious mind works. And I want to be able to have a chance of, of you know, really having an influence in the world and helping people understand how their mind works against them. So that's, that's my goal. And that being said, how can I and the audience of listeners well, you serve can you? Say, well, how can you help me the best way? I, I'm make, you know, making the jokes as far as that goes. I think just you know, promote my stuff. You know, I've got tons of stuff on Facebook. I've been working hard now for like two years. And you know, basically feeling like I've been in an- anonymity, a lot of it, is just like working hard, trying to produce content, trying to help people. Uh, and you know, a lot of the stuff that I have is, is pretty counterintuitive. Because I noticed when I was a medical doctor, when they had all this stuff about, you know, CBT and talk therapy, that people really weren't getting better. And, and until I really figured out that, you know, a lot of our illness is in our body and it's a lot of negative energy in our body. And absolutely, talk therapy is brilliant. Talk therapy is fantastic. Yeah. But unless you actually deal with the root of the problem, which is this this root of, of discomfort and impending doom in our body, all that surface stuff in our mind is not going to get us better. We really have to focus on connecting with ourselves. And that doesn't look like everybody else thinks it's supposed to look. You don't have to love yourself and, you know, really connect with yourself and all that kind of, it helps, but it's, it's a big jump for a lot of people, especially in this society. So it's just taking little steps and seeing you know, hey, maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe I could try this. Maybe I could see about bringing stuff into my body and and seeing what works for me as opposed to just swallowing the medical model and the psychological model and the dogma that, you know, you just have to think better because that's not what's going to work. That's not what's going to help you. Thinking better helps, but it doesn't cure you. And where is the best place to find you to learn more about you and what you do? I have a YouTube channel, Instagram. I have all that stuff. But if you just Google the anxiety MD, you can take your pick out of which one you want to check out first. Amazing. Russ, I am so grateful for your time and energy and you sharing and just bringing more light and clarity to the coronavirus and also how we can best equip ourselves, you know, mentally, physically and emotionally during this time with so many variables being unknown. And so I want to just thank you, and I'm sure everyone out there listening too has been able to at least take away Even some it's only golden my, negative my wisdom sort of, from I'm, our conversation. I'm, you know, so, I'm, but I, I know what's going on. And I want to thank you, Mandy, because none of this would have happened if you hadn't called me up yesterday and said, "Hey, you know what? You came to me in a meditation, so it's like obviously we're meant to do something." And then last night I made that meditation. I wouldn't have made that meditation if you hadn't called me yesterday and said, "Hey, let's do this today." 
let's you know let's help people let's get this out there so i really owe you a, a big thanks for kicking me in the butt here and getting this going because it's really been helpful for me Ah, well, that's just it. I, you know, all of you listening out there, obviously, Russ and I are friends, and we both do work in trying to create things and tools and content and philosophies and all these things to help you guys listening. And so I, I just, I think this is a beautiful example of how you can really just link arms with people who are, who are vibrating at that same frequency as you who are, are, are doing good things in the world. And I think more yeah. than ever, whether, and I mean, we're not even face to face right now, right? Doing this podcast, but we're creating value to help you and other people who are going to be listening, you know, in the future to come of this podcast episode with these tools as well. All of this is just a perfect example of how something like coronavirus that is not a very nice thing can really bring people together to do great things together. And I think if this podcast more than anything can just be an example of what can, what can happen when something negative is going on and, and we the positive are things that can come baby. of it, I think that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yes, we are. Woo! Thanks so much for joining me. If there's anyone you know who you think could benefit from hearing today's episode, it would mean the world if you'd share it with them. Love what you heard? Then please subscribe. If you really love what you heard, then please leave a review with your honest and loving thoughts. This podcast wouldn't be possible without your support. If you feel called to, please make contributions to my podcast fund that helps me to keep it going strong, bringing on amazing guests for you, and to continue the ripple effect of spreading goodness in the world. I appreciate you, your time, and your energy, and I love hearing from you, so drop me a line on social media. As always, I'm wishing you a positive day and your own piece of paradise. Until next time, sending you love and light and keep shining.